0: But he just bundles into an Al's player, and it's another free kick. That's almost like that's what they want to happen. Lawongo this time, upending. Well, Tomlin, I would fancy to take it, and he is a good technician. We'll find out just how good in a moment. Pack is there as well as a, an alternative. Well, he's right over on his left hand post, going to be Tomlin, and Tomlin bends it, and sticks it into the corner. I said he is a good te- technician, and he's just proven the points. what's Cameron Dawson saying? He's pointing away, he's not happy with something. But Cameron Dawson seems to be leading a one-man protest towards the linesman. But I don't think he's going to listen to him, I don't think he's going to change anything. And Cardiff have got the equaliser that looked on the cards. Cardiff won, Sheffield Wednesday won. What I like is how high Wednesday have started. Ball goes into the area, Westwood's going to get beaten! Oh. And it's got it, a looping header, clearing Westwood, is beaten. Straight for the free kick. Frustration for Sheffield Wednesday. Graham screws it back, Wednesday need to prevent the shot from coming in, but it will come in and a massive deflection takes it into the goal! It's gone, I think it might be Buckley, the substitute, who's ended up winning this. Unbelievable! Clackman have turned it right around. Getting away, the corner swung in, it goes towards Westwood, he doesn't get there, and they've scored the equaliser. Headed in, and Swansea have managed to steal a point. Unbelievable! Just when you think we've got away with it, we haven't. The header has gone into the net. In fact, it's Wilmot who's celebrating, he's punching the air in front of their supporters, but they have got an equaliser.
1: like sheffield wednesday we are also our own worst enemies here on the owls america's sheffield wednesday opinion with an american accent because we keep coming back to recap these goddamn games i'm your host jeffrey paternostro and it's gotten very cold out in the woods in connecticut granted not as chilling as wednesday's game management recently but i said make myself a hot toddy i did it up nice at a little time uh i start by Uh, using my alcohol mister to spray a little herb saint around the mug. Then I add some Irish whiskey, some lemon juice, a a spice-infused honey simple syrup with cardamom, cinnamon, and ginger. And top it off with a very weakly-brewed Lapsang Sojong tea just to give it a little bit of uh, peat and smoke. It's quite nice, uh, well-balanced, and quite delightful, which is... Two things you certainly would not have said about Wednesday's performance on Saturday. We have a full foursome this week, and we will start in New York City in a small closet. It's James Allen. James, what are you drinking?
2: Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me along to Cocktail Hour. Uh, it's a pleasure to join you. Uh, this evening, I'm drinking Forged in Fire, which I guess is a, a metaphor for life as a Wednesday night, which is a, uh, it's a Marzen, uh, an Oktoberfest uh, imitation but by alewife just around the corner from me and um it says it's caramel noble and festive as fuck so hey the holidays are coming let's
1: uh let's just get happy Is the holidays in this case a week off from having to watch a wednesday game
2: <laughs> can i take an entire holiday for the rest of the season
1: across a couple rivers in new jersey it's patty jones patty what are you drinking
3: uh, I'm back on the whiskey. I got the still got the Journeyman Distillery uh, going through. I don't know whether this does this is this a thing? If you eat like uh, an Oreo biscuit before whiskey, does it taste terrible? I don't.
4: Uh, well, first of all, don't ever refer to Oreos as biscuits again, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because those are uh, the quintessential American dessert. Before.
3: I will have to why why it just then, But if you eat an Oreo before whiskey, is it something's bad? This is good. Last time I drank it, now it's bad.
4: Yeah, yeah. I always try not to eat Oreos. Um, <laughs> well, I try not to eat them. Period. But uh, definitely not before some some drinks. It's got to be followed by milk or just go to bed because I feel, I feel like anything Jeff else is ruined.
3: For his whiskey, it was a little bit more elaborate than meat me in an Oreo. <laughs>
4: not a
1: traditional pairing, I believe, Patty. Okay. I've heard of I've, I've heard, heard of popcorn with whiskey because of the corn sort of uh, notes in it. If you, need, if you absolutely when? have to have a snack with your uh, American whiskey.
3: but Jeff, when you were describing your uh, cocktail earlier on, yeah. um, it seems like quite an operation for a house cocktail. Have you not got like a cocktail bar that you're planning to open soon? Because that seems very <laughs> elaborate.
1: So we moved in Been three years now. I think it's been three years now. No idea how long I've actually lived here. When we were moving in, one thing I wanted to do, I saw this video on YouTube about turning a uh, used like grand piano or an upright piano into a cocktail bar. It's like a do-it-yourself project. Sounds mm-hmm. good. And yeah, it's three years on I still haven't actually done that. So I just have stuff like scattered around various bar carts and crafts. And, and like, just right a... there
2: was the very moment that we lost the last Sheffield Wednesday fan listening in <laughs> Sheffield.
0: <laughs>
3: Uh, I, was th- I thought you were going to mention something about how he crafted the alcohol spritzer out of a grand piano case for a second there, but uh, that might be too elaborate. Hmm.
1: I do enjoy, like, vintage barware, though, and if there's one thing Wednesday fans can get behind, it's vintage performances. That's all we really have. <laughs> to talk about the most recent Wednesday performance, though, rounding out our group in Ohio, it's Evan Skelter. Evan, What are you drinking?
4: Well, I've just finished a whole package of gummy worms, so naturally I have a straight <laughs> bourbon. Uh, Henry McKenna 10-year tonight, um, pulling out some good stuff. And um, yeah, yeah, it's not quite as fancy as what you're drinking there, Jeff. It sounds delicious. Um, but yeah, this Henry McKenna, it's a, a fantastic, fantastic bourbon, won some awards. Uh, it's was like a newcomer of the year bourbon, what, two or three years ago, I think. Um, yeah, it's a good treat.
1: Every year we do Christmas Eve at a at a friend's house, and every year I always bring a bottle of something different. And I'm trying to, I try to mix it up, so I'm not just bringing the same like good expensive stuff every year. So I don't know what I'm going to do this year. I've been thinking about the, uh, I don't know if you've had this one, Evan, the Old Forester Statesman.
4: Yeah, I've not had the Statesman. Um, I've got, I think an 1870 back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe the 1912 or something like that. But yeah, uh, the rise yeah the States, well. I've heard really good stuff about it. Yeah.
1: I had it like a flight thing at one of my locals was doing. They had bourbon it was bourbon month, which was September. I think every week they were doing different flights on special and they did an old Forrester one, which is, which was excellent. I guess we should actually talk about Sheffield Wednesday.
3: At some I think flight. you should take that, that alcohol spritzer steam thing. You mentioned that you used uh, rubbed around your mug or whatever. And, pump that into your friend's thanksgiving house you can like appear through the door in this kind of alcoholic steam down thing like, like my grand entrance that should be great like we that, sounds like very... Very... that sounds like talk about wednesday tonight <laughs> might be a problem if i get pulled steamer.
1: over on the way home and i'm just like covered in
3: alcohol steam <laughs> <laughs> i'm obsessed with the steamer thing i want to know more it's about
1: not a it steamer it's just like a it's like a mist it's like a it's like a spray bottle essentially
4: it seems walking. like it sounds like how we're going to introduce our new signings in January yes. at, at Hillsborough. Coming through the alcohol mist.
3: I think most uh, Wednesday fans are surrounded by Gary alcohol Taylor mist. Gary Taylor Fletcher again.
2: <laughs> this is how we turn Hillsborough into a happy place, isn't
3: it? We just spray everybody on the turnstiles. Mm-hmm. Imagine if alcohol mist rolled off the hills into Sheffield rather than just general mist.
1: That's just uh, James Marriott entering the grounds after like seven hours at the bar
3: beforehand <laughs> like most people are entering the ground at Hbertter River
1: Well, we all need a few drinks to get through this podcast about Wednesday so I can only imagine what it's like going to the games nowadays. We do have another capitulation to review we have. Almost no news, so Patty has created a game for us to play in that segment. Uh, Toronto did not win the MLS Cup, so I can't troll Patty about that in dispatches from from American soccer. We will preview the West Brom game on the other side of the international break. And, I mean, we're seven minutes in. We haven't even gotten to our first segment. It's going to be one of those shows. But we will start with 90 minutes and 90 seconds. Wednesday 2, Swansea 2. Wednesday got off to a good start, having by far the best of the possession and the chances for the first half hour. It was a throwback Saturday with Lee and Bannon interplaying in midfield like it's a Wembley season. It's not a Wembley season. But would you believe they conceded a soft goal against the run of playoff at set piece? Of course you would. You listened to the Owls AmeriCast. We may have covered this before. That took the wind out of Wednesday's sails and they coasted into the half without much in the way of a response. But some impact subs in the second half in the form of Fernando Forestieri and Adam Reach got the tailwinds blowing again, and Fessy got a nice poacher's goal after a reach shot was spilled and Lee centered the ball before a Swans defender could get to it. Game on. And wouldn't you know it, another late lead for Wednesday as player of the month Morgan Fox made up for an earlier miscue on Swansea's opener, smashing one into the ground and then into the net from an acute angle into injury time. Just have to see out the last three minutes. Folks, you know how this story ends. Swansea immediately turns the screw. Wednesday's organization falls apart. While Westwood was able to build them out once, the resulting, get this, corner left Westy in no man's land and a Swan's Flare unmarked. A share of the points, and we really have to stop meeting like this in on 90 minutes in 90 seconds. <sighs> so, talking points. Evan, do you want to talk about Wednesday success creating chances going forward? Let's put it that
4: way. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a. Um... I feel like we linked the midfield to the forwards well and created scoring chances well. I mean, statistically, we absolutely did. Obviously, I'm the stat man of this podcast, so I will tell you that we had 8% more possession than we averaged this season. Uh, We had two more shots than we averaged this season, and our pass accuracy was a few percentage points higher uh, than it has been this season. So everything went well, and obviously two goals we like. Um, but it seemed like our conversion rate wasn't, uh, wasn't all there and it was a bit disappointing.
1: Yeah. It did feel like a little bit of a different tactical setup and I don't know if they were forced into that with the injuries to Borner and Hutchinson having to start a more sort of attacking minded midfield. You're not really going to sit back and let the Swans soak up possession without sort of a, some sort of shield in front of that back four. But they really, like, they were very attack-minded. They were creating chances. They were getting the ball out wide. The interplay in midfield, as I as I said, between Bannon and Lee were good. Um, and this dovetails a little bit with my talking point, which was kind of ruined by them actually scoring the two goals late. But we've talked a lot about their defensive record, but they're not scoring goals, James.
2: Uh, Well... No, not, not not with the frequency that we should do with the chances that we're creating. I mean, the first half was just an exercise in... Oh, the first 30 minutes, I think you called it in the uh, in the 90-second summary. You know, we created so many good chances that you you just have to convert, you know, one or two of those. You know, that that spell of dominance, we should have been comfortably ahead in the half. And you can point to kind of the post keeping us out or a good save or a thwarted moment, but actually the finishing accuracy just wasn't quite good enough. So no, we're, you know, we're not... We're not quite doing what we should be doing in front of goal. And that's the theme of the season.
4: Do you think, um, and, and this is, this will be controversial. I, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm asking the question. Um, Fletcher. We know he's good. Is he good enough to put us over the hump at this point? Or should we, if we could look for other options come January?
2: We need we need to buy a striker in January, or we need to get hold of another striker in January, yes, because our striking options are not scoring enough goals. Is that Stephen Fletcher's fault? No. I mean, I think Stephen Fletcher is a good enough striker at this level, but he can't do it on his own. Um, but is it about getting us over the hump, or do we need to acknowledge the fact that maybe this team just isn't quite good enough to get up this year? You know, that's a different conversation, right? I,
3: I kind of disagree a little bit. I think... Um... Fletcher has missed a lot of chances recently. I think he's playing overall very well. The way he brings people into the team, and yes, James, you got a point two of the fact that he's left up there on his own most of the time. However, he wasn't on his own uh, this this game here against one zero. It's four uh, four two, and that's what kind of nice onto my talking point here is because I feel like that formation suits the players we have at the moment. I feel like we've played our best football in that formation too. We seem to be able to press better in that formation. Um, we seem to be able to give defences more problems in that formation. And I, I think it's just Fletcher's gone have the ball a bit in front of goal. Uh, New U's never been a goal scorer. They're both very good though at bringing people into the game, bringing other players into the game. Uh, if we just switch one of those strikers out with a goal scorer, Easy said and done, I know, uh, in the January window. I think we've got a good uh, makeup there of a side that can score goals. It's just that Fletcher's not been consistent enough in front of goal at the moment. He's missed, he could have had three goals all them headers Saturday. He, he, he hit the post, he had one saved, uh, and he missed one which he thought he should have done better with. Um, so I think Fletcher or Nuihu, to me, can stay in, in one of those two positions, but we need to have someone that's going to be playing further up top to who's a more who's more, um, uh, the best conversion rate, put that way, than what uh, these two have at the moment. I think
2: you, you, you want to see Wednesday scaring defenses, um, and for all the chances we created in that first half hour, they were kind of scrambles, they were you know, second shots, um, you know. Malays in the box where we got a foot in it or a head on it and it kind of came back away again. What you didn't see was us just kind of clinically getting on the end of a first ball or um, you know stretching a defence and having a you know an open goal that for whatever reason we kind of skew it wide or something like that. I, and and that kind of comes back to your point, Paddy, it, It's an and it's a striker to go with Fletcher, um, which is what I've been saying uh, repeatedly on this podcast, which is that we need someone with pace and with a high conversion rate. I'm afraid I don't think that's Taddy that knew who, but um, you know, look. We um, we look more effective with the two of them on the field this week than we did last week at Blackburn, and and that begs the question why we didn't start 4 2 against Blackburn with two strikers up front and, and kind of pressure with them the way we did when we went to Middlesbrough away, for example.
3: I think a pacey striker is is optimal. Uh, however, someone that just stays in the box might also work. Someone like Jordan Rose, for instance, if he was <laughs> uh, confident. Because uh, you could, could saw for the uh, Morgan Fox goal... He, he will not head, a, head it down to Morgan Fox's path, we got a goal. Um, and it's, I don't want to com- completely contrast that with Fletcher's contribution and his headers that he had not really scoring a goal from them because he was quite unlucky of a couple of them. But if you have someone like Rhodes that's always going to be in or around that box uh, ahead of Fletcher, that makes things a little bit easier. It bring it brings opportunities a little bit further. And if Rhodes puts some chances away where Fletcher doesn't, that will help out a lot more, too.
1: That's our completely unbiased, neutral Jordan Rhodes observer, Patty Jones. <laughs> I did enjoy him playing on the right
3: wing when he came in for a while. I don't know what that was about. I don't either. I think he got lost. I think he has been <laughs> a football pitch for so long, he forgot where the uh, box was.
1: It's just trying to veer in the direction of uh, the training ground, basically. <laughs> Where has been
2: recently? So we're we going to talk about the fact that we uh, we managed to ship another late goal, Jeff. Or are we just going to paper over that
1: particular crack? I mean, the interesting thing to me is, I don't know, maybe "interesting" is too strong a word. I thought the four four two with Bannon and Lee in the midfield and New Hugh and Fletcher up front was very effective. You know, up until they kind of got a little shell shocked off the opener from Swansea every uh, you can quibble with some of the substitutions I don't know if I would have subbed off new Hugh for uh Forstieri. I thought he had a very very good game uh, up front and he was sort of hec- effective both sort of bringing other players in playing off Fletcher hectoring the uh swans when they were in possession but it's fine i mean they it would, the, the fessy for a striker was the right move you got to play somebody off there to give them a little bit different look i thought all the subs were well timed and effective they got the goals i think and i've kind of resisted this for a couple of years now i think i'm at the point where it's just like clean out the fucking squad it's just it's not working there's no like, there's no way forward here. And some of this is going to take care of itself. They got more players out of contract in in the summer, but it's just you know, and it's frustrating because I so you could see moments of that Wembley season, like I said earlier, in sort of Bannon and Lee's interplay. That was four fucking years ago. It'll be five in the spring. Like I don't know, I don't know what that way forward is yet. I think Monk's shown me enough where he might be the guy to do it because he knows the league um and he might n- know some you know reasonable january signings that aren't like players specifically looking for promotion push this year but maybe make long-term bets but i think just something needs to change at this point and maybe that's just me being frankly tired of recapping the same damn game
2: every week well you know what it, it's not though because there comes a point when you watch Wednesday frequently enough that you run out of other reasons for why things are as they are right we've you know we've talked ad infinitum about the different coaches we've talked about the training setup we've talked about the i don't know you know the the kind of the the lack of productivity in front of goal et etc cetera, et cetera. you name the excuse we've we've found it it really comes down to these these players you know it it was just i'm afraid it was entirely predictable the second that Swansea turned up the pressure in those last two and a half minutes, the way that game would end, it's the same the way that the game against West Brom at home ended last season when Harvey Barnes rampaged through us twice. It's the same way as we capitulated at Blackburn. Incidentally, we had a, a bunch of Blackburn fans in the football factory in New York who were watching their game next next to us. They figured that the Blackburn team that played last weekend was pretty much as bad as they've been all season. And even in the last 10 minutes, they didn't have a, they didn't feel that they had a hope or a prayer in the game. It was Wednesday that gave them that game from their perspective. And they were watching us doing exactly the same thing against Swansea and just simply said, you guys just simply don't know how to deal with pressure. You know, you have a, a, a mental problem in the squad in terms of how you capitulate when, when teams come at you. And I think they have a fair point. You know, there's something about the composition of these players that either they don't have a winning mentality, which is a bit cliche, or they they lose control when a team throws the kitchen sink at them. And that, that unfortunately, is what happened. And, and the only resolution to that is you've got to change the playing stuff. I mean, it, it sounds harsh. I know Monk wants to protect them, but I, I'm sick of seeing the same movie week in, week out.
1: Does anyone want to disagree with that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we're as far off. Or, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not at the stage where we're going to throw it in the bin and start again um which you said earlier on jeff i, I mean I it's feel al- like... so
1: here's the thing though it's almost worse to be consistently not quite good
3: enough yeah it's like are we, are we bad enough to throw it in the bin and start again because i don't think we are we're always we're always too close I mean, like, we're always so close to being good enough but never quite there uh but we ch- things change all the time right it's not as binary as that Things change all the time. We've got a new coaching again. Yes, we've got a few new players. Yes, the, squad is, the spines is very similar to the ones that haven't uh, fulfilled their ambitions over the last four years. But still, there's new people that can change that. And there's new people and staff that can change that and new ways of working we can, that can change that. Uh, so I don't think it's as binary as saying we've tried these players before and they've done these things before. Therefore, it's never going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's, they're there's also a lot of different... four
1: years older, though, which is part of the problem. We still can't keep any of them fit either.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I don't like
1: this. this James is rubbing off on me, apparently. (laughs) James, stop that.
2: Hell, I had two weeks of being optimistic as well. Look what this damn club does to me. Look, I mean, there's another way around of of phrasing this, which is kind of where you're going, Paddy, which is to say that, you know, be realistic for a second. There are some high points here. You know, we brought in players like Julian Borner and Kadeem Paris, who've definitely added to and and show us something different this season to what we've had before. I just don't think you can rely on the same spine of the squad. There's something about the way that those stalwarts, and I'll, I'll name them, Kieran Westwood, Tom Lees, Barry Bannon, you know, the way that they stay together under pressure, some, something's just gone a bit awry, right? You know, it's, it's something about the organisation, something about the messaging, something about just the sheer focus in those those few clinical moments at the end of a game. Um, and maybe they can recover it. Maybe they just need a really good talking to, and Gary Monk's administering that over the international break, and we go on a run and we all look stupid when we get promoted at the end of May. But... I, I just feel there's something that just feels a little bit rotten about the squad, and it and it needs more than just a bit of a cosmetic upgrade. I think it needs a fundamental shakeup.
3: But look how solid we were with Burner at the back. Uh, we didn't seem to have those lapses in concentration as much. Uh, we had a great uh, record with Burner and I off for the back. So I don't know. Maybe the answer is just put Burner back there and let him lead the line and shout everybody to get into shape and and don't let the heads drop and don't let. Uh, Panic in, which is what happens when Leeds is there sometimes. So it's just Maybe it's just good leadership. Yes, you can't stop Westwood flapping, and yes, she, there's some issues around that too, but I feel like that corner might not have been conceded in the first place if Burnham was on the field. It seemed a little bit haphazard how it was conceded in the first place.
1: I don't even really, like, Westwood hasn't been great the last week, but I give him a slight pass, if only because we're so bad on set pieces, I wouldn't be surprised if he feels like he has to come for every ball he can even if he probably should be staying at home because if he doesn't get there somebody's gonna have a free header
3: well let's so talk about, I was talking about Con, right, and that goal we conceded because there's a couple of things that happened yeah, i looked at it about 10 times before he started the podcast
1: i mean you couldn't um, see it on the actual broadcast so they were still showing the replay
3: of uh, <laughs> yeah that was would save problem. uh but i looked at this uh, replay several times because first of all it's a good cross right that's straight out of the bag it's a good cross uh and it's hard to deal with. I think though that Westwood is fouled in the build-up to this. Yeah, sure. Section. I mean,
1: they—they they weren't. He was fouled, I think, more blatantly or in the first half, and they didn't call it. They just that ref wasn't calling anything.
3: He should have. shouldn't have probably gone for it. But if if someone wasn't bundling into him, then I think he might have got a fist on that, and at least something enough to take it away from the oncoming attack. Uh, the the other thing is that you've got, what, about six people goal going for the same ball, uh, no one marking the guy running into the box. So that's another problem. But I don't think necessarily... I'm not going to lay the entire blame off Westwood for that goal. I think you can blame for the first goal, definitely. Um, not the second one.
2: I mean, there's another point about think- all of this, which is that if, um, if Westwood doesn't save that point-blank chance that actually gives away the corner it's 2-2 and we're not talking about giving away a daft goal at a corner. We're talking about giving away a daft ball on the edge of the box that leads to them having an open goal. So look, I'm, I'm not trying to lay the blame on one player and say it's Kieran Westwood's fault. I'm not not saying that at the slightest. I mean, he got us out of jail at Blackburn in the same way. I'm just saying the collective organization isn't good enough. But Evan, you, I think you, you maybe have a different perspective.
4: Um, no, actually it's, it's very similar to what you just said. And and it, it's echoing what Patty said as well. Yeah. I, I'm looking at the still shot. If you're looking at the extended highlights, it's he posited 1153. And <clears throat> yeah, Westwood's getting hit before the ball gets to him. If he, again, if he's not hit by that Swansea player, he might get run into by the four other Wednesday <laughs> players all converging on him. And the guy who eventually scores the goal and I can't make out who's supposed to be marking him. And th- this goes back to what James said is that there's something mentally perhaps um, wrong with our players and their effort to finish the game because whoever's supposed to be marking the runner Stops and just watches the ball as it approaches Westwood who ends up missing it And then it falls right to the man. He's marking and it goes into the goal um, You know, that's really just a play-by-play account of what happened. It's not really to add anything other than uh, I agree with with patty that it's not Westwood's fault, but James is correct in saying that, you know, there's just there's something going on in the minds of these four Wednesday players. Iorfa's marking well at the back post. That's fine, but something going wrong with everyone. You you just look at the eyes of all of these players at 11:53. They're all focusing right on the ball, not looking around for who to mark. It's just it's it's chaos in front of the goal, and um, that's yeah, that's just a uh, an indicator of the bigger problem, which is. Yeah, you know, we just kind of lose focus in those last minutes.
1: I think to sort of put a bow on this, we considered earlier sort of the idea like is you know, Stephen Fletcher the striker to lead a team to promotion, and I think he's capable of doing that at this level. I think you know Bannon can certainly be the midfield engine for a promotion team. You know Hutch at the uh, Hutch shielding the defense, promotion quality player. Westwood, certainly a Premier League quality goalkeeper, if maybe slightly past his prime at this point. If you just look at these players individually, you obviously can have hope going forward that this team can put it together. And, you know, still in seventh place going into international break. It's a weird year in a always weird championship. But for somehow, as James says, the mix is just it never has quite come together and you know here we are 4 plus years off Wembley and it's sort of the same old song and dance on the same old Wednesday. So with that, we'll take a break, come back, cover a paucity of Wednesday news and play Paddy's very exciting game that he's created that we're still not sure what it is. <laughs> Now, time for some Wednesday news. Julian Berner misses out on EFL Player of the Month. Patty, you wrote this agenda and just have Manager of the Month. Dot dot dot.
3: <laughs> so the Player of the Month went to Mitrovic, uh, sure. and the Manager of the Month, the Manager of the Month is uh, the one that got away, Danny Cowley. Huddersfield Town. So are, they it was, doing it?
1: are they out of the cellar now? Yeah.
3: They finally started winning games, so you got manager of the month. Hmm. Uh, I think he's slowly turned it around, and the, the team's looking much better. But yeah, I just thought I'd give those two things a mi- uh, mention, because there's a slight links to Wednesday in them, mm-hmm. and we're very, very short on news this week. So we should knew think imagine... that
2: that, right? Like, so the I... um, the Cowleys doing well at Huddersfield. Like, you know, we, we haven't, I haven't been paying attention, but does that... Did we make the right choice? Can uh, you
4: imagine if he if they get Huddersfield promoted? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The, uh, it's gonna happen. The
1: football ramble when they got hired made a point that I thought was interesting that I meant to bring up on the show and then then just forgot that you know there's something to the idea that when they were at Lincoln Town you now when they're at Huddersfield that they were really sort of given the complete sort of keys to the car in a way they might not get it Wednesday for a variety of reasons. So they might actually be seeking out jobs where they can really completely remake sort of the squad and the football there in their own in their own image and their idea, where well, I don't know if
2: Chancery would allow them to do that at Wednesday. Well, allegedly, they wanted that written into their contract, sure. and allegedly, that was a line that Chancery wasn't willing to, to sanction, and allegedly, that's why we didn't go down that path and why we went down the path of Gary Monk. Um I think that's probably a little bit more spin than it is reality because you know I don't Gary Monk doesn't strike me as the sort of person who's particularly compromising and his past track record suggests that you know he's fallen out with owners who've tried to meddle too much so who knows exactly how that relationship is going to work with DC and and we'll only really find out as we go through transfer windows to come right by the um, same token you know the Caley certainly had more leverage than
1: Gary Monk looking for a job at this point so they could be a little they could you know they could wait for a club that would offer them exactly what they wanted. And there's the idea that you know Huddersfield also has parachute payments and probably some more money to spend with if they do want to remake the squad than Wednesday did.
4: All, I got, out, all. all I got out of that was that James has been reading too much Al's Talk forums.
2: <laughs> James. I caveated with allegedly, <laughs> which is easily the most optimistic uh, spin you can possibly put in an Al's Talk conversation.
1: Alright from the ridiculous to the sublime. Patty, you have a game for us.
3: Yes, so one of the only news things I found on the website uh, this week was the match-worn poppy shirts. So you can now, uh, I don't want you to go into the, this website right now because this is what the game is about. Um, I mean,
1: I haven't, you, I'm going in completely blind, so.
3: Great, so you can now bid on match-worn shirts from the Swansea game. It's the ones with the poppies on them for Remembrance Day. Uh, so we, I now have the full list of current live bids. There's still 11 hours to go currently mm-hmm. as we record. So I'm going to pick out four players, uh, and you have to tell me in order from highest to lowest. Is
1: this in uh, well, pound sterling?
3: It's in pound sterling, but uh, you, don't, you don't have to give me the pound. Just tell me who the highest is, the second highest, the third, and the fourth, okay? Okay.
4: All
3: right. so I'm going to give you Stephen Fletcher, uh, Kadeem Harris, Ati Nuihu, and Adam Reach. Mm. So who do you think is the top? Who do you think is the most expensive?
4: Uh, I'm going to go with Nuihu at the top. Cult favorite. Okay. I'm going to go with Kadim Harris.
2: James? I mean, Addy knew who because he's got the biggest shirt. Which, you know, <laughs> per square inch of shirt should make sense. I mean, uh, it's not
1: big enough to
4: actually cover his sorry. whole torso. Though so I, it I'm could be like a men's medium. I'm going to go with Stephen Fletcher. Best value. All
3: <laughs> right, So you're all wrong. That's that's one <laughs> rules. the 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 most expensive is Adam Reach.
4: Hmm. Are you kidding me?
3: Like, with six
2: hundred of his sweat is worth more than the rest of the squad. <laughs> Almost 100 is,
4: Victor- is Victoria is Victoria bidding on these. <laughs> What is this bullshit?
3: Always <laughs> oh, £100 more than the next one down. So, if that's the, bar- the barometer for you, right? So, if Adam reaches Just is out of curiosity
1: one, for sort of context, how much is the Reach bidding at currently? £644. <laughs> it's a lot of money.
3: It's a lot of money for Adam Reacher. And he didn't even play longer than 20 minutes, did he, in that game. So, mm. uh, yeah, so who's the number two guest at that rate then? If uh, Reach is at £644, who's your number two? Are you going to go with that same order you thought earlier? Are you going to recheck?
4: sticking with new here
1: well you if we guess new the same still? three at least one us will be right this time so uh, <laughs> yeah i'll stick with harris i think
3: <laughs> it doesn't leave really, me anywhere to go so yes Stephen fletcher no you don't have to change so i think i think we'll stick with at so Ati new Year is is the next one down so as you is second at anyone want to guess I've asked, I've asked i said it was 100 almost. more so yeah. 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 550 <laughs> 550 for Ati new Year. And then, uh, okay, I'll go to the bottom. Who do you think is the least uh, out of those four? You're like Stephen Fletcher and Kadeem Harris, obviously.
1: Harris. Yeah, I'll go Harris. Go
3: All wrong again. Stephen <laughs> Fletcher is the least at 500. We're not very good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> so you're well, the what, spread's not that wide Yeah, so that's if, not like yeah.
2: If, uh, if you're talking about 500 to 550, it's not huge, right? What's Tom Lee's going for?
1: No, hang on. I think you're going to get another
3: round, right?
2: Give oh, you another, another round? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Okay, again, again. All right, so we'll have Tom Lees, Dominic Iartha, Morgan Fox, and Kieran oh, Westwood.
1: No. We'll which, for... Okay, which goalkeeper, Chad, should... should... is it? Because the colors we are move... important
3: here. We'll remove Westwood out of it because I think that's unfair. I think uh, we'll go for the back four. Right. Morgan Fox, Liam Palmer, Iartha, and Tom Lees. So if so you who say
2: remove that... Kieran Westwood, you're just basically talking like our
3: approach to defending against one. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty clear who's a favorite in, the other, in those five. Evan,
1: Westwood, how much there. did you bid for the Liam Palmer shirt, just so I have context? <laughs> I'm
4: not going to say I want to win this one. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Tom Lee's at the bottom, and though. Dom offers at the top. That's a good Give me your top and bottoms.
3: Tom Lee's at the top, you say? Or Tom Lee's at the bottom, you think, James? Tom Lee's bottom, Dom Ioff at top. Okay, interesting. Jeff, top and bottom?
1: You know, Morgan Fox top, Liam Palmer bottom.
4: <laughs> Ooh, I'm flipping that. Palmer top. And actually, for bottom, Palmer top. Oh,
3: Evan, you were literally bang on until you switched it. Ah. it is, Liam Palmer is top with 530 quid. Uh, only £14 pounds cheaper than Stephen Fletcher. <laughs> That's a lot of
1: bourbon there for you, Evan, that you're spending on a Liam Palmer
3: jersey. <laughs> That's true. And uh, Morgan Fox is at £470. Pounds. Would anyone care to guess, one last uh, guess, uh, who is the least expensive and what that price currently is? Is it the squad? So this is the bench as well.
1: Wow. Which, which match okay, was it? J- jelly, uh, Joey Pelopesi, £160. <laughs> pounds.
3: Wow. That's a pretty good guess, but it's it, the, the price is very good for Pelopesi, but he's not the, the lowest. Lowest. His price is actually 165 pounds right now, so that was a good guess.
4: Did um did um shoot? What's what's the young guy's? Uh, did Hunt? What's the? Uh, I thought ah,
1: that was a Blackburn game. It made the squad.
3: Okay. Uh, is it, I'll give you a bit of a clue. Is it a young guy that's got the lowest uh, price? Cameron Dawson. He is second lowest at 148 pounds. Quite cheap for golly shit.
4: Connor Kirby. Uh, I'm trying to think of these young guys <laughs> that have been... I I didn't pay much attention to the subs. Is it the but... other Lee? <laughs>
3: All right, you guys are, are, are yeah. winning this game. So <laughs> Jordan Thornley is the lowest price. it's uh, a
4: good value. For a bargain,
3: for a bargain 126 pounds. Uh, well,
4: if I were gonna display it I'd display the front anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> what's on the back of it I just buy the cheapest one
3: it wasn't actually a match worn though so that's the thing yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, match yeah. oh yeah it's like a big uh, that's a big deal in yeah, used stuff right, yeah right. so there you go uh you've just played the uh, Sheffield Wednesday price game um, by the way if you are listening to this and it's before I think it's like 3 p.m English time. Uh, On Wednesday. Um, First of all, thank you for being an early listener. Uh, Second of all, uh, you still bid on these prices. So you've got a good idea of what the prices are currently, as of tonight. Uh, And it's also going to a good cause too. So um, get in there. It's on the Sheffield Wednesday website. Uh, You can find out from there.
1: And if vintage jerseys are more your things, there's now soon to be available from the... Was it from the Terrace or whatever? The 1998 replica home shirt this is a this has been a more divisive shirt in the group than i expected it to be mostly because of me because i'm not a huge fan
3: i don't like it either it was one of my worst shirts i ever bought because it bobbled within the first few months (laughs) and became pretty much unusable it was like made out of like toweling uh it was
2: awful and that's my biggest concern paddy because i like this shirt um, I like it for two reasons. One, it was made out of the softest flannel you've ever worn in a football shirt. The most inappropriate fabric you could possibly think of to make for an athletic purpose. It was like sort of like you know, kind of that sort of thick quilting material that your grandma would throw on the top of a bed. Um but it was also the 1998 shirt that Paolo Di Canio wore and Benito Carboni wore. I mean, you know, this this were halcyon days before we fell from grace. So I've got an affection for it. But I don't think the terrace shirt is the flannel. I think it's like some kind of shiny polyester.
1: I mean, everyone knows a proper 1990s football kit has to like completely chafe your chest while wearing it. Like the 1993 away kit, which is my
4: favorite from that era. <laughs> you know, I have this kit already. I have this shirt. Um, and I and it's felt glory. <laughs> Is it, has it bubbled already? What do you mean by bubbled? Like
3: little bubbles appearing everywhere.
4: Um, little balls of he means telling. I will have my uh, my significant <laughs> other bring it down for me, and I will tell you in a moment.
3: Oh, the reveal! Lots of exciting things Can happening. You, in this make stuff? sure you okay. text
1: her and not accidentally put it in the WhatsApp group this time. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: oh, oh God. I, I'm 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 going to uh, one up you Evan Not only do I have that shirt, is it but I also closet? have the, I have its away counterpart as well. That's the all which, orange one, which is nice. The the infamous Holland home shirt that, <laughs> yeah. uh, that we wore in '98, '97, '98. Gorgeous shirt, honestly. Bizarrely though, for some reason, it's actually a shirt from the '90s that fits me. So whereas the uh, the home shirt is like about five stars is too big and it looks like a tent uh the away shit's actually quite complimentary so uh, so i'm gonna have to bust that out i think for the west brom game
3: you got a name on the back
2: no i never went in for that i kind of i regret it now i should have got like those you know premier league stylings from 1998 with Carboni on there
4: <laughs> yeah you know there there's a, a video um that i actually produced for the english football league who have decided not to put it on the the internet for some reason uh I made it about I don't know six or seven weeks ago, and uh, a good buddy of mine came over for the match, and and um, he was kind of acting as um, he was acting like a Sheffield Wednesday fan. God forbid he ever be one. Um, and he was wearing this shirt, uh, and so hopefully someday that's online, and uh, you get to see that.
1: Well, now head to dispatches from American soccer. The Seattle Sounders have won the MLS Cup. Vanquishing, Patty's Bet Noir, Toronto FC. Did anyone actually watch this? I meant to, I didn't. I have a fondness for Seattle Sounders, I like Gustav Sensen, who actually assisted on two of their three goals.
3: I was actually watching the Jets win a game for the first time in a long, long time. It's so much was rarer than state.
1: Seattle and Toronto in the MLS Cup yeah. final. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel.
3: <laughs> This is no good she can't, for she can't actually
1: hear us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see,
3: for the viewers at home or the listeners at home,
1: I stopped recording
3: the segment, so it doesn't uh, even help them. Yeah. Rachel just <laughs> totally left. Like she wasn't that excited to see us all getting excited. Well, she
4: she couldn't hear you, and so she right, was like, yes, I mentioned." Right, you well, can just see well, these random folks just kind of waving, going, hey. yeah. Um, sorry,
1: carry on. We're talking about the MLS Cup final, but no one cares.
4: Oh, well, tell me, like, raise your hand when you start recording again. I'm not going to start recording <laughs> again. Oh, you're not? We're no, I done? i planning
1: on it. No, I mean, we're recording no, no, audio. I'm recording this a video. video.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, this is a podcast, Evan. That's they awkward. can't see you. Yeah.
4: <laughs> sure. Uh, here you go, guys. It's uh, <laughs> a nice shirt. Boy, oh, boy. Wow. I didn't watch the MLS Cup, by That's the way. Fine. I, uh. I was busy with uh, with something else big going on in my life. So. Oh, tell us all about that, Evan. Yeah, I uh, I got the chance to broadcast from Columbus Crew Stadium on Sunday, um, which is pretty cool. It was um, my my high school actually uh, made it to the state championship. So so if you're not familiar with how things work here in the U.S., the the high school teams so grades nine through twelve. Uh, they compete within their state within their state. There are divisions and no, there's no promotion and relegation. It's based on your, your school size. And so um, the lowest division in soccer in Ohio is division three, which my high school was in, and they were in the division three state championship game, which they hold at at Columbus crew stadium. So um, the TV station in Lima in a local town that I broadcast for, they were covering it and I had the chance to go. So it was pretty cool. Um, got to be in the Fox sports booth uh, to broadcast for so or to broadcast in and um, yeah it was pretty neat it was a good experience my high school lost four to zero against uh, a private what? school that was pretty dang good um, hashtag, but yeah overall hashtag good pro
1: for Ohio high school football <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know all, all it could use is a separate division for private schools mm-hmm. where uh, they're paying 25,000 a year to, to go to and um, you know get to give out some vouchers and scholarships etc but that's a, a whole another topic
2: we it should... really is I mean uh, in an improbable circumstance private schools could be outlawed in Britain within six weeks so yeah let's see how we go
4: is that a real thing
2: it is a real thing although private schools are kind of somewhat a different beast over in the UK I mean for okay. starters you have to wear a dinner jacket to breakfast
4: oh
1: it's too bad we should also mention uh, James you have a new local club as a Queens resident
3: I <laughs> okay. do. This. Yeah. Tell
1: me more. Queensborough FC will be coming to the USL Championship next year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
2: Queensborough.
1: Queensborough. Queensborough. Like the bridge. Where the
2: hell are they playing? Considering that Queensborough is like one of the most have, densely populated parts. I've of just Queens.
1: seen like a, a promotional video with shots of things in Queens. I have no other information about the club other than that. So I will now uh, do what you do. I think I... like... uh, David Via is one of the owners. Oh, it has a Wikipedia page. So here we go. They, the club will play on a newly constructed stadium on the grounds of York College.
2: Okay,
0: so, it's like in, in Jamaica,
1: for the record. Nowhere near Queensboro then. No, <laughs> and nowhere near much of anything really.
3: I d- it's just another like kick in the face for Cosmos, the, the richest history club in American soccer. And yet, we keep creating new football clubs in this country that aren't New York Cosmos. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, much of the United States Soccer Federation just runs off
1: spite at this point. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
3: just going to throw more soccer clubs at New York City,
2: yeah. let New York Cosmos rot. Just for reference for anyone listening, if you've no idea where we're talking about, if you've ever been to New York City, you've definitely sat in a cab on the Van Wyck Expressway in stationary <laughs> traffic in Jamaica. <laughs> it's probably true.
1: On the other side of the international break, we travel to top of the table, West Brom. This isn't, have we, I don't know, maybe we have done West Brom previously. We probably have done West Brom previously on this podcast, James.
2: I think. Uh, we have, yeah. Um, I went to West Brom away actually last season. It was kind of, it was over the Christmas uh, holidays when I was back in the UK and it was, it was a pretty good away day. Um. Look, I mean but what about all of about three weeks ago when Wednesday were kind of level pegging at the top of the table <laughs> and we said, Yeah, no one's really made a break for it yet and somebody could go on a run. It could be us. Well it turned out it's not us. Um turned out the West Brom are doing pretty well. So so that makes it a pretty stern test, right? But all of ten months ago when Wednesday went to play West Brom away, we um we played really well and we got a we got an early goal from Maddie we hung on pretty much into the 90th minute everything looked like we were going to sneak a a really impressive away win and give us a a further little boost and uh, in about the 93rd minute we conceded a sloppy goal from a corner I think it was an own goal, and uh, and it was 1-1, and, and the Spurs West were Westbound was so. down to 10
1: men in that, too, weren't they?
2: They were, yeah, <laughs> that's right. They'd had Jay Rodriguez sent off. Yeah. So, you know, what we were saying earlier on about Wednesday being a repeating episode of the same horror story, you know,
1: there you go. All I remember um, as uh, I was running errands, and I only hear it on the radio, and I was just getting angrier and angrier because they weren't getting, like, Volan had them playing way too conservatively up a man,
2: and, yeah. Then... And and off you go, yeah. I mean, look, Wednesday, Wednesday being Wednesday, um, they'll probably get down there and get a result. We, you know, we sometimes come up back oh, like Jekyll and Hyde. Battered, but <laughs> know. Who knows? Tough game. Um, West Brom have got, a, you know, they've got a good squad. I, you know, admittedly, they didn't have a great season last season, but they've still got the basic kernel of a, you know, a lower end Premier League squad. Um, they're a well-run club they're um they're doing well this season so you know we can't have too high expectations but if Wednesday are in any way serious about this season if they're going to disprove all the things we've talked about throughout this episode of the podcast they've got to go down there and they've got to put a performance in and you know occasionally sometimes we come up spoils when we're um when we're trying to do that so let's see what happens patty if
1: you want to watch the west brom game where can people do that
3: um, we've got four meetups, uh, next, not this week, it is the week after. So, uh, New Orleans, New York, uh, in Indiana, the main view in, and, uh, the Florida Owls have resurfaced and they'll be at, uh, a bar in Tampa. Let me, uh, check that and get back to you later where that is. Different ones as usual. This is an ESPN plus game, right? I think so. Maybe. Why do you say that?
1: I'm just asking for context for our listeners who might be interested <laughs> no, in that information
4: it's not it's not like he's assuming he thinks, it, <laughs> he thinks it's I
2: don't know. that's espn plus not disney plus just yeah. to be
4: clear although there is a, a, a jumbo subscription where you can get espn plus hulu and they're not giving disney+. us any money evan don't not an advertisement whoops as this podcast is sponsored by iFollow. Yeah, we'll get to that. We're tr- I'm oh, trying yeah. to wrap don't, this up. So. Don't subscribe to ESPN Plus. Boo.
1: You've been listening to episode 84 of the Owls Americas, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com and information like whether we're on ESPN Plus or not will probably be available there. You can email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Direct your emails to Patty about whether we're on ESPN Plus or not. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamerica's. Our podcast intro and bumper are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl Evan. What is your favorite Homer Away '90s Wednesday kit?
4: It's gotta be the one keeping my lap lap warm right now. The the felt the magnificent you know, felt just, jersey. You keep showing it on camera. It doesn't help. Yeah, can't you all see this? <laughs> Jersey, well, while you I, listen to the podcast I on iTunes or SoundCloud really or Stitcher. It. Is it bubbling? Okay. expect it? Um, yeah, it is actually a little bit. So quite, terrible. Quite disappointing. Um, but it's comfortable. And that's all How that matters. How did I can wear Ohio, this. get a 1998 home kit? When did you get that? eBay, man. It was, <laughs> uh, it was a while they back. They ship all around, around the world, for, Well, I, I think it literally costed me like $7 <laughs> with shipping to get it. So... This was like 2014 before
2: 1998
1: was cool. (laughs) Right, exactly. James is on Twitter, at Manhattan Owl. James, what is your favorite 90s Wednesday kit?
2: Uh, The one that I think everybody still waits for us to finally properly re-release in its absolute Brazilian glory. Even though Brazil don't play in (laughs) gold and light blue. The 1992 away shirt. The, uh, the kind of the gold with uh, with light blue trim and the kind of those really tiny shorts that look pretty damn awesome on Nigel Worthington
1: Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls Patty, same question
3: I'll tell you who that shirt does not look awesome on that's <laughs> myself after I bought one from the FMC online at a large and it is not a large <laughs> I look like I'm trying to stuff sausage meat inside me uh, it's in a yellow form it's not good <laughs> it's not big club, I, I, it's, it's for sale by the way if anyone wants it worn maybe half an hour
1: you already promised that you were going to bring it to me for me at the West Brom game
3: yes I'm going to bring it for you Um, while we're on the West Brom game I found out where the Tampa Owls are going to be or oh, the Florida Owls they'll be at Tools Irish Pub 1215 West Brandon Boulevard
2: is that live streaming the impeachment hearings
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs>
1: And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Petrenastro. the The 92 away kit is my second favorite, and it's my personal favorite is still the 93 away kit, which, albeit, I have to wear an undershirt with because if I'm walking at any sort of brisk pace, it uh, will make various parts of my chest bleed. Uh, and we'll see you back here, not next week, because God knows after this we need a week off, but sometime soon.